Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Webcast Series, held on September 26, 2018, discussing the initial guidance on new limits on executive compensation deductions. The panelists for the webcast were Craig O'Donnell, a PwC tax partner in our Global Human Resources Solutions Practice, Susan Lennon and Sharman Priokes, both managing directors also in our Global Human Resources Solutions Practice, and Bill McAlpine, a managing director in our U.S. Tax Accounting Services Practice. This excerpt consists of a general discussion among the panelists, providing a general overview of the new rules under Section 162M, limiting the deduction for executive compensation, with a more focused discussion on determining a covered employee. Have a listen. Why don't we jump into the uh, level setting around 162M. So Sharman, let me turn it over to you and maybe walk us through a little bit of background for those that aren't familiar with 162M and what did the new legislation do in the fall? Sure. Thanks, Craig. So as Craig mentioned, 162M was amended in the tax law that was passed in December. And what the old 162M rules said was that uh, publicly held companies had a limitation placed on the deduction that they could take for their covered employees and I'll talk about who each of those is, what each of those concepts is in a second. But the idea is that uh, while, an, while a company could pay whatever they wanted to a covered employee, they actually could only deduct up to a million dollars of that compensation that they paid. And so who a, a publicly held company is, it was defined as a corporation issuing common equity under, uh, that was registered under Section 12 of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. And the covered employees of a publicly held company were the CEO, but not the CFO, and the three highest paid executive officers who were disclosed on the company's proxy for the year. Um, so basically four people, roughly coextensive with the people listed on the proxy each year. Uh, one point there is that under the old rules, you may have had a few extra people listed on the proxy if they had also had high compensation during the year but they were not employed on the last day of the year. The covered employees were limited to the CEO on the last day of the year and the three highest paid executive officers on the last day of the year. Now, there were a couple of really important exceptions. I've alluded to one of them, and that is that you had to be employed on the last day of the year. So if someone had terminated during the year, the company could deduct all of the compensation for that person without any restraint because they were no longer a covered employee as of the last day of the year. The other main exception to the 162M rules before the law was changed is that performance-based compensation and commissions were excluded from the limitation. So as a practical matter, Craig, very few companies had a material reduction to their limitation because they by and large structured their compensation to either be paid out after somebody was no longer a covered employee or they structured it to be performance-based compensation. So there were right. some good rules, but there were some big loopholes to drive through, right? Huge loopholes. So then we get to the fall. What yeah, happened then? No longer. Okay. <laughs> so beginning in the fall or beginning in December, the laws were changed. One thing that did not change was that the deduction limitation did not change at all. It's still a million dollars. And so no inflation adjustment or anything like that. A company now, if they're covered by this rule, can only deduct up to a million dollars worth of compensation that they pay to their covered employees. What it did other than that is it redefined a publicly held corporation to expand the group of companies that will be covered. So now the companies covered are 
uh, issuers of any securities under Section 12, which includes both equity and debt, then also anybody, any company who files any report under Section 15D, which serves to bring in filers of ADRs, all filers of ADRs. It used to be a more limited group. So definitely a much broader scope of companies covered by the new 162M rules. Another thing that the new law did is to expand the definition of covered employees. First, it brings in the CFO, which is really just a correction of a technical glitch that existed for several years. So that one's not so surprising. Um, more, uh, more expansive than that, though, is it eliminated what I was just referring to, which is the last day of the tax year rule. So now a covered employee is determined by virtue of their being in that status at any day in the year, not just because they're still employed on the last day of the year. And then it went further to imply a once a covered employee, always a covered employee rule, where it does exactly what it says. Once you're a covered employee, the deduction for that person is limited forever. Even if it's not actually paid to them, if it's paid, for example, to a beneficiary long after they've died, the deduction is still limited for that person. And, as if that wasn't fun enough, it also goes on to repeal the exclusion for performance-based compensation and commissions. So basically, all of the big loopholes that have been out there are no longer in existence. The only relief is that there was transition relief provided in the new law, and that applies to written to remuneration or compensation that's going to be paid under a written binding contract that was in place as of November 2nd, 2017. So great place to pause, Sharman. So it sounds like all the loopholes that were in the original law got closed as we went into 2018. That's right. And I know a lot of my clients said, well, I've got plenty of time to do my tax return, but they did have to figure out what to do for tax accounting and deal with some things there. So what did people do? What did you guys see people do at year end in terms of navigating these rules? I don't know, Susan. Well, I think the first thing people did was to try to figure out who their covered employees were for 2017, because that's the first group of the once a covered employee, always a covered employee. So that group for 17 uh, is going to carry forward through the new legislation. Then start trying to catalog all the compensation paid to those individuals and group it in Anything granted after November 2nd, 2017, likely is subject to the new rules and may not have even been booked at that point. Then what could be, you know, what could be uh, subject to the transition rules? What looked good? What looked bad there? Kind of, you know, bucket that out, you know, where the gray areas. And then, it, as you say, you know, tax deductions are really a 19 filing for an 18 tax year, but they had to adjust their books pretty quickly. Right, Bill? Exactly. So for year-end 2017 uh, financial statements, uh, most, most of our clients looked at uh, these changes under 162M as they were measuring deferred tax assets that were recorded for book compensation recorded in 2017. And applying the new statute to the book compensation amounts recorded in the financial statements for 2017. Most relied on Staff Accounting Bulletin 118 to provide a provisional estimate if they really weren't certain as to what the tax impact going forward for any of those book compensation amounts would be uh, for 2017, saying we'll figure it out later once we see more guidance in the 2018 calendar year period. Yeah, so I certainly saw that approach. and saw a bit of a mix as well, that people debated whether they wanted to be an optimist or a pessimist with the rules, right? And so some people debated, should we leave up a DTA or not leave it up? And there was sort of a mix in that regard. Now they're going to see how that plays out 
under this notice. So maybe Sharman, start telling us about the new rules and this new guidance that came out in August and how that may force people to do some things a little bit differently as, as they go forward. Right, so the law passed in December and there was legislative history associated with that law when it passed, but it was pretty limited. And we've been waiting since then to get some guidance on some of these open issues. And so notice 2018-68 was released in August, as you say, and it covered only two topics. Uh, and unfortunately, the two topics that it covered, it answered some questions and provided some helpful guidance, but it also probably, I think fair to say, raised more questions than it actually answered. So there still is quite a bit of guidance that we're hoping to receive that will clarify a lot of the open questions. But the two topics that it addressed were the definition of covered employee and some guidance on the transition relief um, for the written binding contracts were in place as of November 2nd. Do you want to start taking us through those in some depth? This is sure. where we get into the fun stuff, right? Yeah, sure. So I'll start talking about how to determine who a covered employee is. So as I said, the new covered employee group is the CEO and the CFO. And we have here on the slide PEO and PFO, and that's uh, really a tie into the Securities Exchange Commission rules for determining uh, who gets disclosed in the proxy and um, whose compensation needs to be disclosed. So uh, principal executive officer, CEO, same, same idea. So one of the new changes in the new rules that this was in the law actually, and the, the, stat, the notice confirms it, is that you're looking at who was the CEO or CFO on any day in the year. So it's no longer limited to the person who was employed in that role on the last day of the year. So you could imagine a not uncommon situation where you've got someone who was the CEO, retires halfway through the year, you get an interim CEO for a month or two until you hire your permanent CEO. So in that case, in one year, you would have three covered employees in one role alone. So that's a big change. Um, also, when we look at the, who the other three covered employees for a year are going to be, the, uh, the notice has taken a path that many practitioners were not expecting. And that is to say that all companies have to have at least three officers who are considered covered employees based on their compensation. And this is a surprise for companies that up until now for, well, in, in continuing now for securities purposes, only have to disclose one or two employees based on their compensation. So um, emerging growth companies, uh, smaller companies that aren't necessarily required to disclose three people based on their compensation. The IRS notice says, nope, 162M, you've got to have three. So that's going to require companies to start evaluating who is a covered employee based on compensation, even if they're not being disclosed in the proxy. And then another point that the notice makes is that because we're not worried about who is in the role on the last day of the year, it means that when we're determining who is the highest paid executive officer for a year, we're not looking at who is disclosed on the proxy or who even was in that role on the last day of the year, but it's anyone who had highest compensation during the year. So you could, again, see a, easily see a scenario where you have an executive officer, for example, who retires during the year, gets a big payout, or another executive officer who has a large option exercise some kind of big bump in compensation that they're not expecting or that's not scheduled into the year, uh, that person could easily be considered the highest paid covered employee even if they're not employed in that role on the last day of the year. One helpful piece of guidance that we did get before um, uh, in this notice is respect to, and Susan was alluding to this, that uh, for 161, the new rules, we 
our sort of starting group of covered employees going into the tax year in 2000, the 2018 tax year uh, is based on the covered employees from 2017. And there was some question about whether when you were determining who that group was, if you used the old 2017 rules or if you used the new rules. And the notice confirms that you used the old 2017 rules. So your starting group in 2017 did not include, for example, the CFO. Although obviously, as of the first day of your tax year beginning after 1231.17, your CFO jumps right in. So there's a big split between a proxy and who are covered employees. Yes. Now they used to be wed, and now they're completely completely independent and a lot more work to do to figure out who is a covered right. employee. That's right. All right, so we have an example and there are a lot of, there's a large cast of characters for this example, so bear <laughs> with me. So assume we're in 2018, we've got Corporation Z. Corporation Z has employee A who is the CEO. Corporation Z also has B and C. We had two CFOs during the year. So first half of the year, second half of the year, CFO. It had employees D, E, and F, who are uh, the highest paid executives during the year, but they all retired before the end of the year. And then executives G, H, and I come along, and they are the ones who are actually executive officers on the last day of the year, but didn't actually make as much as D, E, and F. And so the question is, of all of that cast of characters, who in the world are your covered employees for 2018, including the ones from 2017? So the answer is, you've got quite a few. You've got A, because A was your CEO during the year, B and C, because they were both CFOs at any point in the year, and then it's D, E, and F. D, E, and F are your highest paid executives, executive officers during the year, and so even though only D and E are on the proxy, has, as a special rule, up to two additional executive officers can be disclosed in a proxy even if they're not there on the last day of the year. So D and E are on in the covered employee group as well as F, even though F is not showing up in the proxy at all. And G, H, and I are not covered employees because they were not the highest paid that year. So we're dealing with these big splits again between the proxy, right? <laughs> right? So these folks that left and kept themselves out of the proxy so their neighbors don't see what they make are impacting <laughs> the tax return and the tax accounting because their comp still is being limited by That's 162M. Right. right, so it puts a lot of pressure on a corporation. They have to be evaluating every year, keeping track of anybody who is a functional matter, is working as a CEO or CFO during the year, and also um, has compensation during the year, even if they're not there in the last day of the year. So no longer can you just look at the proxy and know who your covered employees are. Got it. And there's some open issues. Yes. So. Uh, we have a few of them here. It seems most of them relate to transactions. So who is a covered employee for a short tax year? This might often come up in the context of a transaction, you know, a merger and acquisition. If you're being, if one company is being acquired by another, they might have a short tax year. It's not quite clear yet how you determine who your covered employees are for that year. Up until now, if they weren't filing a proxy, they were not going to be, you were not going to have any covered employees. Um, and that's not the case anymore. So TBD on that one. Uh, we also have the question for acquisitions. What happens if a public company is acquired by a private company? Uh, if the public company, you know, the question is, does it kind of get cleansed by getting acquired by a private company? Or does that once a covered employee, always a covered employee rule apply? So that even if a private company acquires a public company, they still have to, if they somehow become subject to 162M. Um, the third is what happens if you've got a public to public merger 
And the question there is, do the old covered employees from the public company get added to the, uh, the acquiring public companies covered employee groups? You basically double it. And then uh, what happens uh, if you've got a disconnect between your SEC filing year and your tax year? There are several allusions in the um, the notice about there being disconnects between the two years and, and how that might implicate who your covered employees are, but without a lot of detail, so we're not quite sure what what those implications are going to be. Got it. So you mentioned a lot of deal scenarios, Charmin. So one of the ones that's come up a lot, just to make sure we drive it home, so a public company gets bought out and goes private. They've got a stub period, tax return and a stub mm -hmm. period financial statement. They don't do a proxy that year. It used to be we didn't worry about that. What is the right. rule now with that? So wow. to the extent they've got, they've still got. Yeah, I mean, the notice tells us that there is still definitely a 162M implication there. And that, that for that stub period, there is uh, going to be a deduction limitation applied to that stub period return. To whom? We're not 100% sure, yep. but to someone, five people. <laughs> the plan continues. All right, one of the questions that I saw come in uh, regarding covered employees talks about if you've got a CEO that was a CEO in 2017 chairman and retired during 2017, but he or she kept getting payments in 2018 and 2019. Are those payments limited under 162M? Yeah, fortunately, fortunately, two things. We know the answer, and, and two, <laughs> the answer is good. <laughs> I was hoping. So the notice tells us that because you're determining who the 2018 covered employees are, based on 2017 covered employee status, you apply the old 2017 rules. The CEO who retired during the year wasn't a covered employee for 2017. And so won't, since they're not employed in 2018, they won't be a covered employee then either. So they can continue to be paid out as much as the company wants in 2018 and beyond and not have that deduction limitation apply. Got it. Good news, finally. Yes. Just one fact scenario. <laughs> We've got some good news. All right, so we're done with covered employees. That was a lot of fun and a lot of things to look out for. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please email the participants. Their email addresses can be found in the description of this episode. Thank you.